Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're listening to Episode 77, The Mystery of the Rapture, Part 2. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast, the show that uh, tells you the secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. I'm Scott Mitchell. And I'm Zena. Are you ready to swallow the red pill? Wow, I hope they're ready. We were um, we ran out of time last week. We did. So we were thinking it was just going to be a 30-minute lesson, or I was thinking. <laughs> but as we got into it, we realized we had a lot more to cover. So we've been talking about the mystery of the rapture. Yes. So far, we've kind of learned what? That we're delivered from... The wrath. The wrath to come, yeah. And it's the mechanism by which um, God's going to take us out of this world. Mm-hmm. We discussed there's a lot of people that don't believe in it, uh, but there's many, many more that do and that know it's true. Um, and it's the mechanism or the event or the vehicle, whatever you want to call it, that God is literally going to use to catch us up out of this world before the wrath falls. And I think the reason the term rapture is used, we talked a little bit about like birds, hawks attacking, mm-hmm. they're called raptors. And uh, the event is sort of like we're going to be seized out of the way in the nick of time because right before the wrath of God falls, things begin to go bad really quickly. The Antichrist will appear, Mm -hmm. and there's going to be a falling away. And we kind of left off last week on that term, the falling away. So we're going to explore that term. Have you ever heard that expression, falling away? Nope. Never in your religious experience? Yeah. It's it's something that isn't fully understood by a lot of believers either. Um, we, We think of it as the term... Uh, you may have heard the word apostasy. No. No? Okay. So apostasy is like uh, believers suddenly reject the faith and they walk away and they don't believe anymore. So apostasy, that's, that's, a, that's a poor man's definition of the word. Um, but uh, people, and, and this word um, fall away, falling away is literally from that Greek word apostasia, you know. Okay. So... Um, but it's got more than one meaning, like many other words do. So there's something deeper here going on. And what I'm going to try to show today is the falling away is not just a general, uh, I'm a believer and I've been going strong for a while, and then I got caught up in the things of the world and I got into drugs and whatever and chicks and booze and fire trucks, and now I'm not a very faithful fire believer. <laughs> I know. That's a lie from an old movie. <laughs> 
And so now I'm not living right and I'm backslidden, whatever these terms they use. Mm -hmm. That's not falling away. That's a completely different animal, okay? So you, you can be a, a believer who's maybe on the wrong track or whatever, kind of got distracted, and that can happen too. But we're going to find out that the Bible will define it as something a little bit more specific. So we'll go back to where we left off last week, which was Second Thessalonians. That letter has a lot about the rapture. Yes. And about the reason for it, you know. So it was chapter 2, and we already read in verse 1 that Paul was saying, we beseech you by the coming of the Lord that you don't be worried or troubled about the day of the Lord or the day of Christ's coming. Let no man deceive you. That day shall not come, verse 3, except there come a falling away first, comma, and the man of sin be revealed. Another thing. So two things. Falling away, man of sin be revealed who's the son of perdition. So we're talking about the Antichrist. So when he's revealed, it's going to be revealed as to who he is. Not just he's Joe Blow, but he says, verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is no ordinary Joe Blow. Mm -hmm. This is a bad guy who wants the world to worship him. And he's going to try to convince the world that he is God. So he's, uh, as we've discussed in the past and we've talked with Ryan Peterson about, he's a Nephilim. He's going to be a part human, part angel hybrid. And he's going to declare himself to be actual God. And when he does, something about him is so convincing and so powerful that much of the world is going to believe it. And when they do, they're going to worship him. And they're going to take his mark and whatever. That's the falling away. And it's specifically applied to, uh, interestingly enough, something to do with Israel. Because during that time, so we've talked about like in, in, the, in the series of events, there's a rapture and we go out. The dead in Christ rise first. We which are alive catch up to him in the air. Yes. And we meet the Lord in the clouds and we'll ever be with the Lord. Then all hell breaks loose on the earth. And a trumpet had sounded to gather us out, but it also began the, the wrath and it began the, the armies. So the Antichrist is going to begin to gain power during that time and get to the point where he will declare himself to be God. But also during that time, as soon as we leave, God doesn't leave the earth without some options here. He's still going to be saving people, but not through the mechanism that we've been using for the last 2,000 years. And that's where we were supposed to do a new series this week on the Dispensation of Grace. Yeah. But it's going to be next week we'll start that because this had to turn into a part two. <laughs> <laughs> but that Dispensation of Grace, which was begun after Christ died and rose again, was essentially introduced by Paul, the Apostle. And it's the message by which we are saved today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Trust that he died for your sins, was buried, and raised again. I mean, all the message that we consider the Christian foundation doctrine. But that message we're going to find sort of interrupted the program that Christ started with Israel. We're going to find out later that he came to them and he offered them the kingdom, but they rejected it. Mm -hmm. So since they crucified him and killed him, the message went from them as a nation to the whole world through Paul, and God keeps his promises, so he's going to eventually turn back to the nation. 
And we've talked about they're going to seek his face in their affliction when they acknowledge their offense. We've talked about this in the past. So they're going to do that after we leave, evidently, or maybe right at the same time. Yeah. And when we go and there's suddenly a bunch of Jewish people that are now believing in Christ or needing to or ready to believe in Christ, God has people prepared for them. He's literally got 144,000 Jewish men prepared to preach the message they need to hear. 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. Whoa. Have you ever heard the term 144,000? I know yeah, you have. I have. Yeah, yeah, okay. I have. Because that's sort of a fundamental of the of the Jehovah's Witness faith, mm-hmm. but many others too. It's not just them. And and now the Jehovah's Witnesses, I think took it and went a little bit to one side with it and said, we are the 144. But there's several million Jehovah's Witnesses. So which one? Oh my gosh, there's so many. (laughs) Which one gets to be one of those 12,000 of each (laughs) time? So in reality, there can't be, if they, let's call them Jehovah's Witnesses, Mm because they they literally are. They're going to be witnesses for the Lord and he is Jehovah, Mm -hmm. right? But who's going to be those 144,000? Is it people today or is it Jewish people reserved for that purpose? Jewish people... Reserved for that purpose. Yeah, that's what I believe. And and the reason why is because we're preaching a message to the whole world that's not Jewish-specific. It's Christ died for your sins. Mm-hmm. They're going to be preaching to Israel because they are Israelites, and they're going to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because they're going to pick up the same message Christ began with before they crucified him. Yeah. So it's really amazing. And, and if you think about it, most of the Christian world, almost all of it really— blended all these things together and mixed them up, and that's why we have so many denominations, Mm -hmm. instead of dividing them out where they're supposed to be. So let's start with this falling away. Um, He said in verse 5 of the same chapter, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. So he's already told them. And here they all worried and frightened because somebody convinced them, yeah, you missed the rapture, you're going through the wrath. And they were worried. (laughs) Yeah, so they think of like a bunch of little kids. Everything was fine, and then some big bully came along and told him a bad story. Yeah, like like, oh. like a ghost story at the campfire, you know. And now <laughs> they can't sleep. <laughs> Poor kiddos. So he says in the very next verse, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Now we got terms we got to discuss again because he was just talking about the man of sin. This Antichrist. Yes. He's going to be revealed in his time. He has a time when he's going to be revealed. It's not going to be before. It's not going to be after. It's going to be in his time. And he says, now you know what withholdeth. What does that term mean to you, to withhold something? Have you ever heard somebody say that you're withholding evidence? That you're keeping it. Keeping it from you, right? That's right. So something is holding back the revealing of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. He, does, he hasn't told us what it is yet, but we know there's something. Yeah. Now, and it's funny, he says, now you know what withholdeth. Well, we don't really well, know. I don't know, but I hope you're going to tell me. <laughs> but he's going to tell me. And then he says something interesting. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Now, iniquity is another word for sin. Mm-hmm. So that's another mystery we haven't even covered yet in the uh, Bible po- Mysteries podcast. <laughs> the mystery of iniquity 
whatever that is, and we'll come back and talk about that another time. But he says it does already work. So one thing we know about it is it's tied to the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. So whatever the mystery of iniquity is, it involves him. Like if it's already working, then it's probably something that involves setting the stage for his arrival. Yes. And his revealing. Okay. But he says, the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, letting and let is an interesting word because we don't use it the same way today. If I said, let me go, it means like you're holding me. Yeah. So in a way that kind of works, you know, but um, somebody once described it as this. Uh, They said they grew up a long time ago in a place where their water came from a well. Okay. They didn't have indoor plumbing at the time. And that was the case for many people for many, many, many centuries. Yeah. You know? And so what you would do is you had a well where there was a bucket that you lowered down with a rope. Mm-hmm. And the water was down deep. So you had you to- You didn't want to fall in there. Yeah, you didn't want to fall in the well. And you would roll that little crank of the pulley and the rope would go down, down until the bucket hit the water. And then you would scoop water in it and pull it back up and take it home. Now- we don't think about this because we just turn on a tap and we get water, right? But back then, if you let that bucket hit that water too fast, then the impact of the bucket on the surface is going to muddy up the surface of the the oh of the of the um, of the well. Yeah. And so, let's say the well it, it might only be like four or five feet deep of water, and it's clean water. But you hit that water with something, and it's like you know, somebody cannonball. They jump in the oh, pool, no. and then all the sediment. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to pull up a big bucket of muddy water because all the soil on the bottom yeah. of the of the well. So um, what you do is instead of just letting it go bzzz, and hit the surface, is you lower it easy. You let it down gently. And as you let it, you hit that surface, and then you want to go, okay, let a little bit more. And the bucket kind of goes, tilts a little bit. And once it tilts and it breaks the surface, then it goes down and it fills up, and you got clean water. So when you bring it back wow, up. Wow, you have to think about all of that. I would have just had muddy water. Yeah, I would have too, <laughs> until I heard somebody tell me the story who was an older guy that grew up with a well. Yeah. Right? So he says, I understood that term when I read it the first time because I lived in the days when it made sense to me. So he who now letteth will let. Something is holding back the Antichrist, and it's going to continue to hold him back and restrain him until he be taken out of the way. And the he there is the one holding him back. Mm -hmm. So now we got another male. Who's the other he? You got the son of perdition. He's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And there's another he who's holding him back. So who could that be? It's not Satan. It's not Satan. He's, he's actually um, taken out of the way. Well, what have we been talking about in this episode? The rapture. Mm-hmm. When we're going to be caught up and taken out of the world, delivered from the wrath to come. Oh, do you think it's a saved person that's in the way? It's all of us. The oh. entire church is the body of Christ. Okay. And Christ is a man. So we are his body. We are his church. He's the head of the body. We're the body. Mm-hmm. So he be taken out of the way is the church in the rapture. We go out. We leave. And it, though we're male and female, in Christ, we're the church. Okay. You know, so we have no distinction, spiritually speaking. You know, we're physical human beings. We're male and female. We're uh, bond and free. We're circumcised and uncircumcised. And we're all those physical distinctions. But in Christ, we're all the same. 
In Christ, we're one church, we're one body. So we go out of the way when he takes us out of the way, when the trumpet sounds and Michael shouts, wake up, let's go, mm-hmm. whatever he says. <laughs> whatever he says. And then we go up to meet the Lord in the clouds and in the air. And the minute we're gone, it's like somebody breaks open the dam and the Antichrist says, nothing's holding me back now. Yeah. We're holding him back, which is good because as long as we're here, we can preach the message of grace. Mm-hmm. But once we're gone, it says, and then, after we're taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed, that wicked person, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, there you, you had him right there, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Because when Satan is cast out of heaven, he's operating through the Antichrist, to show all these false miracles, yeah, to convince the world to worship and to take his mark and all that. It says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved, saved from wrath. Mm-hmm. If they had believed, they would have gone out in the rapture. Yes. Now they're left behind, so to speak. And when this guy comes into power and he has all these miracles and signs that deceive people, they're going to fall for it because they rejected the truth of the gospel when they could have believed, and now they're going to believe a lie. So it's really sad that it happens, but it is going to happen. Now, interesting thing, if we fast forward a little bit to um, what, what about when we're gone? So the rapture happens, then he's unleashed to start his thing. And um, John, the Apostle John, wrote the book of Revelation. We've talked about that before. And when he was writing this epistle or this revelation, he was caught up into heaven. So he was, I think, on the island of Patmos off of the coast of Greece when he wrote this. And he was exiled. I think the emperor, the Roman emperor, exiled him to a little island. And while he was there, he had these visions and he wrote this. And at one point in the vision, he was carried up to heaven, and he went through a a, a door in heaven, and he stood before God's throne room. And the entire first part of the book is him writing what he sees there. And there's God on his throne. Mm -hmm. There's the four and 20 elders. We've talked about those guys, right? There's four living creatures, which are cherubs surrounding the throne of God. And then there's the Lamb of God, which is Jesus, and he's there. And there's angels, all right. So John mentions each of these at some point in the first five chapters. And then at some point when the Lamb of God, Jesus, appears, God, God has in his hand a book, and it's sealed, and it's the end of everything else. It's the fulfillment of his wrath pouring out. It's all the things that John's supposed to write down. And they cry because no man is worthy to open the book. But then they say, oh, the Lamb of God is worthy to open it. So he opens the book. And as he begins to open it, something starts happening on the earth. So it's like the un, the unfolding of the revelation yeah. the moment Jesus opens the book. So at that point, John looks down on the earth, and he starts writing what's happening. And in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation, the first thing he sees is those 144,000 we just talked about. Okay. God, he says, the, the angels are told, don't hurt anything on the planet yet. It's almost time to do it. But before you can do that, we've got to seal the servants of God. 
And that's those 144,000. So he goes into a whole thing about that number and why there's 12,000 from each tribe. And they have to be sealed first. So he's looking down. He's recording what he sees on the earth. They mark them in. They put the seal of God. And then he looks back up after he numbers it. And all of a sudden, (laughs) there's a whole bunch of people that showed up that weren't there before in God's throne room. Yeah. Watch. Well, all right. So he, 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 we've talked about the 24 elders, the four living creatures. There's Jesus. There's God. There's angels. And now he says, after this verse 9, Revelation 7, I beheld and lo, a great multitude. That means many, many people, which no man could number. So he can't even put a number on this. He's good at numbering. He just numbered 144,000. Yeah. <laughs> now he says, no man could number of all nations and kindreds families, and people, and tongues, languages. So that means this is not Israel. These are all the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And so many, you can't count them. Uh, And they stood before the throne, so they're in heaven, and before the Lamb, Jesus, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Interesting. Palms. Uh, And it's palm leaves. Oh, They're not okay. holding giant trees. I was like, they were holding like each other's palms. <laughs> oh, no, I meant like the palm tree. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, but but then without clarification, it sounds like somebody's holding this giant palm tree going, where do you want this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's palm leaves like you would, because they use that symbolically to wave toward the king. Oh, I thought it was just to fan them off. Well, and they could have done that too. But okay. in this case, have you ever heard of the expression Palm Sunday? No. Really? It's, I think it was started as a Latin thing or maybe, I mean, a Catholic thing or maybe a Lutheran thing, but they, they honor it. It's the day as the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the colt, the, the baby donkey. Mm-hmm. So, and they laid palm leaves down on the street as he walked in. Oh. Yeah. So it's called Palm Sunday. So uh, they're holding palms, symbolic of honoring the king. Okay, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, and it's a long saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> I thought it was going to be super, super long. <laughs> That's seven things. That is, that is pretty long. Seven is the number of completion. Yes. Seven days in a week, seven notes in a scale, right? Seven colors of the spectrum. So it's the number of completion. So it's like saying all of a sudden this multitude is there. And these other people that were already there, the angels, the elders, they all cry out this praise and honor to God. Wow, you just did something amazing, God. Salvation from you, and it's complete. Uh, We say glory, wisdom, no, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. So seven things, and they fall on their faces. So it's like a big celebration. It's like a major thing just took place. Verse 13, and one of the elders... We still don't know who those guys are, right? That's one of my first questions when I get there. Who are you? (laughs) Who are you? One of the elders answered, saying unto me, to John, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? Old English. I'll rephrase it. Who are these guys? I was going to say, is that what he was asking? (laughs) Where did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. Which is, I'll translate, I have no idea. (laughs) You'd know better than I would. Right. 
And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before him before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither uh, thirst uh, any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's a beautiful picture. It is. Yeah. A, a picture of like a perfect shepherd watching his flock. So what we see here is the beautiful aftermath of the rapture. We go up, we're in the throne of heaven, and now we're before the Lord. We're seeing our Savior face to face. We're receiving our white robes. We're receiving our palm leaves or whatever, you know. <laughs> and he's going to prepare us to get ready to come back with him. When he pours his wrath out, we're coming back to be his glory. Mm -hmm. He's going to be admired in us, you know. And we got things to do, but this is just to kind of get us started, get us going. So we weren't there before. John was looking in heaven. He saw all these things, but he didn't see us. Yeah. He numbers the 144,000. And when he's done, he looks up and he's like, what you guys come from? You know? <laughs> and who are these guys? It's us. Yeah. The rapture happened. Mm -hmm. He just delivered us from the wrath to come. That's another proof that we had to have not been there before, and now we're there. And then, so falling away has to happen before the man of sin is revealed. Well, we've got to be delivered first before the falling away can happen. Mm -hmm. Paul said, I beseech you by our gathering together unto him. Here we are, gathered together unto the Lord. Now, let's get back to falling away. We'll go to the book of Hebrews, New Testament book. Chapter 6 and verse 4. Now, if the book is called the Epistle to the Hebrews, who do you think God is addressing here? <laughs> it's a trick question. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh. It's actually not a trick question. It's very obvious. If it's written to Hebrews, he's addressing Hebrews, right? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> not the Jewish people, I don't think. Well, actually, that's exactly what a Hebrew is. So, really? Yeah. Oh, and, sorry. Well, I didn't tell you that, so I kind of <laughs> jumped the gun. But um, so Jews are from Israel. Okay. Okay, so Jacob was Israel. Jacob's father was Isaac. Isaac's father was Abraham. And if we keep going back, Abraham is related to a man whose name is Eber. And it has Eber. an H, but you don't pronounce it. So we don't say Hebrews today. We say Hebrews, but it's the same person. Okay. So from the lineage of Heber or Eber comes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel. Oh, okay. okay. So now you know if an epistle is written to the Hebrews, it's written to the Jewish people. Okay. It's written to specifically Israeli believers. Okay. So the author of Hebrews, we're not 100% clear on who it is because he didn't give his name. But it says in verse 4, he writes, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, there's that word, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now, it's not often we see the word impossible ever associated with God. 
Because with God, all things are possible. Yeah. Jesus said so, but not this. We know he said at one point that if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, it would not be forgiven, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Matthew 12. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. So we know there's some things that God can't do if it violates his word. It's impossible for God to lie. He can't lie. You know, in him is no darkness. He's light. So it's impossible for those who were once enlightened. So they came to understand something. They came to know something. And have tasted of the heavenly gift. They actually participated in something. They had a taste of it. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Okay? So they're Jewish believers, Hebrews, that were actually exposed to the truth of the kingdom. In fact, it could be that he's talking about somebody that got preached to by one of the 144,000 who said, hey, uh, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And they do. And they go through that process, and they lay hands on them, and they receive the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So you think, that guy's on his way. He's a Jewish believer. He's going to be one of the priests of God, right? And they taste the powers of the world to come and the good word of God. Word of God. If they shall fall away, it's impossible if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance, meaning they can't be saved. It's impossible. Now, why is that? Because whatever the falling away was must mean that they can now never again qualify to be saved. Okay. They were there. They did something that falls away, or they did a falling away, and now they can't renew themselves to repentance. And there's the only thing remaining for them is the wrath of God. So that means it begs the question, what is the falling away, right? Well, we're back to what we were talking about. It's taken the mark of the beast. Okay. So... We've got more examples of this in the Bible so we can really define the term. We'll go to Jesus' words in the book of Luke because he used the term there in a parable in chapter 8. And the parable was about the sowing of the seed in the field, and you've kind of heard a little bit about that mm -hmm. before. So after he told the, the parable, he explained it in verse 9. The disciples asked him, what might this parable be? What does this mean? In verse 10, he said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So that's what was sown. Um, 
those by the wayside, some of the seed, you know, think of rows of in a field where you're planting. Okay. And, and the rows are ready to receive seed. Some of it, as the machine scatters the seed, just falls on the road and people drive over it. It just happened to scatter out of the field. Okay. So it says, the seed that fell by the wayside, uh, are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So they don't even believe it. Somebody preaches the truth to them and they go, eh, don't care. All right. Then they on the rock... Some of it fell on rocks. So there's ruts tilled in the ground for the seed, and then there's stones in the field, you know, because it's New Braunfels or something. <laughs> you know, a lot of rocks over there. And some of the seed is just sitting on top of a rock. Well, they're not planted. Yeah. They could, if they even were to get rain and sprout up a little bit, they got nothing to put a root into, mm-hmm. right? So he says, They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. They believe it. And these have no root, which for a while believe. And in time of temptation, fall away. Means they actually believed it, but then they gave up. Something caused them to turn away. What was it? Time of temptation. Now, we want to read that and think, oh, a pretty girl walked by. Or, oh, somebody showed a bottle of booze or (laughs) something like that. But what is the time of temptation? Well, it's specific. It's something that God outlines in the epistle that John wrote, another letter John wrote called 1 John, and it's chapter 2. And it's verse 18. Now, what's interesting is um, we started with that book that I was giving you a flack about, Hebrews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the first of the epistles after Paul wrote his. He wrote 13 letters. And then it's all to us, the church, the body of Christ, in the dispensation of grace, which I promise we're going to talk about next week. From Hebrews to the end, Revelation, all those epistles, even though they're 2,000 years old, were written to all of the Jewish saints that are going to be here after we're gone. Oh, okay. Because they're going to go through tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, and then the Lord comes back. So John writes to them, and here's how he addresses it. He says, little children, verse 18, it is the last time. Well, then he lived 2,000 years ago, so he was writing to people in the future. Yeah. It is the last time, and as you've heard that Antichrist shall come, so that's the light, what he means by the last time, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So there's one Antichrist that is going to be the man of sin, that wicked, but he actually later on in this chapter defines Antichrist as anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ. So it means that there's a man who's called the Antichrist, and everybody who believes on him is also Antichrist. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So he says, there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that is the last time. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest or known, revealed, that they were not all of us. So he's talking about these many antichrists. He said they went out from us. Were they believers or were they unbelievers? If they were from us, they were believers. Yeah. So they were literally associating with the church participating, tasting the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. They were partaking in the Holy Ghost. They had believed the message. But along comes Antichrist, 
And he says, I'm God. And they go, we've been worshiping the wrong Jesus. That's Jesus. He's the one we should be worshiping. And they leave the flock and they go and they take the mark. That's the falling away. Okay. They're tempted by the deceiver to, con- to be convinced that the Jesus is not the real Christ, that this man is the real Christ, mm-hmm. and they were wrong about him. Thank you for that clarification. I was like, what's the falling away? Yeah. So that really can't even happen today. Like, believers today could stop believing in Jesus, but he's already paid for them with his shed blood. If they've trusted him once, no matter how bad they get, no matter what they think, they could worship the devil. It doesn't change the fact that he now owns them. Christ bought them. He, they belong to him. Now, they might kill themselves through Satan worship or drinking blood or who knows what yeah. they do. Uh, but when they die, they would still be with the Lord. They would lose a lot of rewards, of course. But they're Christ because he bought them for a price. Mm-hmm. Now, these are different, though, because it's impossible to renew them again. So what's the difference? Here's a guy that believes in the dispensation of grace, and he accepts Christ as a Savior, and then years later he turns into, he, he just his life goes dark. Yeah. And he goes to a dark place, and he starts worshiping the devil, and he's killing babies and who knows what. And he's just an awful person. And then he dies one day. And then one day he stands and he stands before the Lord and Christ says, yep, you did a lot of bad things, but I paid for your sins. And he goes to heaven. And then here's a guy that tastes the good word of God and he gets baptized and he's a Jew and he does all these things. And then he falls away. He takes the mark of the beast. He decides that's the the Lord. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do as bad as the other guy did. Or, well, maybe not yet. You know, we don't yeah. know. But let's just say that's all that he did. What's the difference? Why is it now impossible to renew him again? One took to the mark of the beast and the other didn't. That's right. And what does the mark of the beast do to them when they take it? Uh, and we've discussed it as a theory, but, um, but it's been a while. Well, I know it makes him like a follower, but... What oh, it, it makes him immortal. What if it changes them? Yeah, That's something, it. something of that. It alters their DNA because they want to be immortal. They mm-hmm. are thinking they'll have eternal life through this guy. And what if it changes their DNA and they're not human anymore? Oh. And they're part Nephilim. What or if the part robot. Yeah. What if, something, what if the mark is an injection that changes them from being purely genetically human mm-hmm. to being a Nephilim, to being part angel? Oh, part then fallen you angel. can't go up to heaven. Yeah, then there's no, yeah. it's impossible to renew them. So that's the falling away. It is very specific. It's not just, ah, I, I backsliding and I, now I'm, I'm quitting being a Christian because I dance and I drink and I play cards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that at all. It's that they actually go and not only worship the devil, but take his mark and it changes them. Mm-hmm. And they're not human anymore. So they can't be redeemed. Yeah. Don't take the mark, guys. Now, so to kind of wrap this up or start to wrap it up, we'll go to Matthew 24. I actually mentioned this last week uh, in last episode because it was when Paul said, of the times of the season, you have no need that I write unto you. But Jesus spends this entire chapter warning Israel, look for this, watch out for this. Here's the time when you see this run. So times and seasons, yes, they had every need because they were going to go through it. 
because as we'll see when we wrap this up, hopefully in just a minute, uh, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble for a reason. Okay. But first it's like they're in Jerusalem. Jesus is alive still. And the disciples asked him, when are all these things going to happen? When is going to be the end of the world and the destruction and all that? So he begins to answer in verse four. He says, Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. Take heed means be careful, beware. Uh, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So they're asking him, when is the end of the world? All right? So wars and rumors of wars. When has there not been wars? You know? Yeah. I mean, since man's been on the planet. I was going to say, aren't we in a war at the moment? Well, we're in war somewhere in the world because the American empire is in a hundred and something nations. Mm -hmm. And we're always messing around. And we're trying to start one right now. We have a... I'm going to be careful because I want to say some words. But we have leaders in this country that are idiots. And they are trying to goad Russia into a war over Ukraine as we speak. They're morons. I'm like, look, Russia, like, I don't know what is happening in Russia. Those are some elite people, elite athletes, and I would never want to go into battle with them. So Ukraine, you're on your own. Sorry. That's a good perspective. You're on your own. We could not defeat them no. in a, like, in a uh -uh. conventional war. Uh -uh. Yeah. So these guys that are trying to goad us into this war, that's not what he's talking about here. Yeah. These wars and rumors of wars are specifically relating to Israel in this time. So it's laid out in the book of Daniel. We won't get into that. But the bottom line is there's, it's going to be battles between the Antichrist and a southern king, and they're going to fight over Israel. And the Antichrist will win that battle. So he says, For The end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation. It's the king of the north and the king of the south of Israel. Okay. And um, kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines and pestilences, diseases, pandemics, and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrow. This is just the start. Remember, the earth's going to reel to and fro mm -hmm. and all that? Okay. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. Persecution of believers. Jewish believers. All right. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. The, the believers in Christ. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And, and that's he means in the world. That's how bad it's going to get. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, sin, the love of many shall wax cold. Man's going to get so bad that love is almost unheard of in the planet. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, this message is not... Christ died for your sins was buried and raised again. We're back to the message Jesus began. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It hasn't been at hand for 2,000 years. It's going to be at hand again here mm -hmm. in the future. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So what is the end? Verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. Now, we talked about the 70th week of Daniel quite a while back, but the abomination of desolation is a reference to the Antichrist. When he declares himself to be God, he's going to make an image of himself, like a statue or something. Isn't he going to put it inside of the church? Yeah, in the temple, mm -hmm. in the holy place, and he's going to defile it. And the image, it might be something like, I, I think in my mind, like, was it, I'm, I'm going to embarrass myself. One of the rap artists that was killed and they did a hologram, it was it Tupac? 
that they did a holographic concert with him? Uh, I think it was. Or was I it? Think, mm, I think it was it? Tupac. Let us know if you know. Yeah, who if it. you know who it is. <laughs> but it was very realistic. Yeah. And it was so eerie because he did the concert with another guy that was alive. And I, I don't remember. It might have been Snoop Dogg, but it was somebody. And in that show, he shows up in this hologram, life-size. Yeah. And looking like he's performing. And it was just kind of freaky because it looked so real. I would have been like, I'm going home. Yeah, yeah. Very, very creepy. So what if they get that technology down so good that maybe through AI or robotics or something, this image looks and acts and talks like it's real. So real that there he is in the temple declaring himself to be God. Because here's the thing. If a man who was not the high priest ever went into the holy place of the temple... He would die. He dropped dead. That's why they would put the bells on their Yes. On their ankles. You remember. Yeah. And then they'd have the rope so that like... Pull him out if they yeah. had to. I feel like I had a heart attack or something. Mm -hmm. Right. So if a man just went into that temple, he would die. But what if they do a hologram or a robot or AI or something, and it looks so real that he says, see, I'm God. I didn't die. Ooh. I'm Jesus, you know. I'm the great high priest. I think a bunch of uh, believers would pass out. Yeah. Well, in this case, when he says, when you see it stand in the holy place, he says, run. And they do run. The believers do. Many fall away. And when they see it, they go, oh, there's Jesus. We'll follow him. We'll take his mark. Mm -hmm. And they went out from us, but they were not of us, right? That's what John was talking about. So he goes on to warn them about some things to do. Run out of Judea. Don't go in and get your coats. I'm skipping down. And he says, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So worse than we've had for 2,000 years. Whatever this tribulation is, it's beyond what anybody's ever seen. So hence, it's referred to as the tribulation. Now, to close for tonight, we're going to go all the way back to the book of Jeremiah the prophet. And we're going to read about this great tribulation in chapter 30. And this is a passage that really kind of blows my mind when I think about it. So many passages about this time, the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, the day of darkness and gloominess and vengeance. His wrath is poured out. The earth reels it to and fro, and he destroys the wicked out of the land. Well, there's something else going on in addition to all that. Okay. He's trying to find out if Israel's serious about turning back to him. Are they really? Because what if I shake the tree and a bunch of you fall out, you know, and go and worship the Antichrist? So he says in verse 4 of Jeremiah 30, And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, We've heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. So we know we're in that time, the beginning of sorrows. Ask ye now and see whether, watch, see whether a man doth travail with child. A man giving birth? Aren't we trying to tell people these days that men can get pregnant? Isn't that a, a thing that people are trying to push? Yeah, but aren't they considered transgender at that point? But, but here's my point. Can anybody be pregnant without a womb? No. Okay, so no matter what they call themselves or no matter what they transfer into, not making any judgment calls, I'm just saying, let's say a woman has a, um, an operation and she becomes a man, and she's a man. Or a man has an operation and he becomes a woman, so he's a woman. If she had her womb removed and she's now male, 
she can't have a child. No. If he removes whatever he has to remove to be called a woman, but he doesn't have a womb, he cannot get pregnant. Yeah. Okay. So no matter what you want to call it or slice it, a man cannot get pregnant. But we're to a point where they're trying to convince people that they can. Mm-hmm. It's silly, but yeah. it's political. It's not based in reality. So that's not what he's talking about here, though. Uh, see, ask you now and see whether a man doth travail with a child. Well, a man doesn't, but the earth is going to be in travail. And so in the sense it's saying, you're going to see people so afraid that it's going to be like a man going through labor. Okay. They're so in anguish. They're so in pain. Uh, and it would kill most men because <laughs> only women can handle labor. Uh, so he says, Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness? Like what they're witnessing is so scary. They're like, ah, you know, they're just totally freaking out mm-hmm. and in pain. And then he says, verse 7, Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. There's an Israel of God that even though all this is going on around them, there's a place where the believing Jews run to when they escape, when Christ says, get out of Jerusalem, and they're going to go into the wilderness where God's going to protect them Mm -hmm. and feed them for three and a half years till he comes back. So it's called the time of Jacob's trouble, and he shall be saved out of it, the ones that do believe, the ones that abide, the ones who don't fall away, right? And for it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck. The yoke is of the Antichrist, excuse me. His yoke, his bondage, his burden on Israel. I will break his yoke from off thy neck. It's like imagine the Antichrist has got his boot on the neck of Israel as if to say, I'm going to push you down because I don't want you to acknowledge God. I want you to worship me. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm going to break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. In other words, the Gentile nations will stop worshiping the Antichrist, but they shall serve the Lord, their God, and David, their king, whom I will raise up unto them. So when you think about it, all that tribulation that's going on is God's vengeance on the world for their wickedness, the satanic global elite, and the Antichrist, and he's going to punish them, but it's to see who in Israel is going to abide and be faithful to me. You said we've confessed our sin and we turn back to you, God. Well, God's going to say, let's see how serious you are. Yeah. If you believe... I'll keep you safe. I'll protect you. But if you fall away, then you were never truly with me. Mm-hmm. You're, you were always with the, the satanic global antichrist, you know. So the rapture is all about getting us out of here. So this is not what we have to go through. I don't want to go through that. And amen. Well, we'll never have to go through it if we've trusted Christ as our Savior. So the good news is you can avoid the wrath to come and be a part of this rapture. You know, um, a dear brother that is gone to be with the Lord, his name is Brother E.C. Moore, and he's one of the two men that showed me the truth so that I got saved. Mm -hmm. And um, we once went out to eat at a restaurant after a Bible conference. I think it was like Shoney's. Right? Never heard of that place. Sony's, yeah. And uh, after we ate, the waitress came to give him the bill, and he says, let me ask you a question. <laughs> he was from Alabama. Right? He goes, my father is very... Oh, no, no. He said, do you believe in outer space travel? And she goes, you mean like, did we go to the moon? And he goes, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, well, I believe we did. And he says, well, so do I. And he says, no, my father is very wealthy. 
And he's got a vessel prepared to leave this planet. And he's looking for people that would like to join us. Would you be interested in leaving this world and going into outer space? And she kind of looked at him funny. <laughs> She's yeah. like, mm, I don't know. And he says, my father is God from heaven, and the vessel is the body of Christ. And if you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can go with us. And she went, oh, I see what you're doing. And he goes, do you know him as your Savior? And she said, yes, I do. And he said, good. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably like, this old man is yeah. hitting on me. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> it started off looking a little <laughs> awkward. And then she got it. Then she went, oh, I see what he's doing. He's trying <laughs> to tell me the gospel. So I would encourage any of you out there, are you, if you're ready to leave this world, you can go by trusting Christ as your Savior. Yes. So thanks, Zena. Thanks for having me as always. As always. Thanks, you guys, for coming and hanging out with us every week. Please like, share, and subscribe. Comment down below if now... You believe in the rapture and something <laughs> that you learned about the rapture. I know I learned a lot about it. Um, and then leave down below any questions that you have for us and comments. Yeah, please. We'd love to hear from you. And like I've said in previous things, I don't really engage in debating people because I don't feel like it brings God any glory. But I'll do, I'm will do. i doing my best to show you what I believe the scriptures say about this. But if you write and you want to disagree, that's okay. You know, I'm, I may not get, I won't engage in debate with you, but I'll certainly appreciate your opinion. UGBnow.com is the website. You can learn all about us in the Bible Mysteries podcast. We thank everybody for uh, donating as they do. Appreciate Thank you. that, yeah. We, uh, you can donate at utbnow.com through PayPal. And if you can't donate, that's okay. We're just happy that you support us, share us, you know, with your friends, and pray for us if you think of it. So till next week, Zena, you thank you You guys have a wonderful week and a beautiful Valentine's Day, if you, because it's already past Valentine's Day. So we hope you had a beautiful one. Yeah, we hope you had a good one and you didn't yeah. get in trouble because you forgot your sweetheart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take care. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.